<laughs> but y'all have a good show. Have oh, oh, Jordan dropped off. Uh, BK, what's up, man? Man, I'm just thinking with this NCAA football conversation that y'all have been having for the last few minutes. How crazy will Twitter be the day where the ratings are revealed for all of the players in the new video game? Man, if if our rankings releases are any indication, there will be some people showing their ass on, on social media that day. <laughs> People are going to lose their minds. I mean, we see it in Madden every year, but obviously there's... How can you put smaller... Quinn Ewers... Why is Quinn Ewers ranked over Carson Beck? Yep. There's obviously a way smaller number of players in the NFL compared to all of college football. So, yeah, I mean, the players themselves are going to freak out. The fans are going to freak out. Uh, it's going to be just a shit show on X that day. I, I remember, I, I don't know if you heard me telling Jordan this, but I remember like Malik Jefferson, that class, they were like the first wave of guys when the game got canceled. They're like, well, you mean like I, I'm not going to be in the game? Like there's not going to be a game? Like, yeah, man, there's not going to be a game. And I remember like Quandre and some other guys like, I don't, we don't care if we get paid. Like we just want to be in the game. Like we don't yeah. care. I think most players were like that, but Ed O'Bannon had to ruin it for everybody else just because he wanted to get a little bit of money. So I guess – you know, a UCLA education wasn't good enough for that dude. He wanted to get a little bit of money, and look, ultimately it helped start NIL and college sports. So it worked out really, really well for everybody involved. Yeah. But the unfortunate side effect was that it cost us the NCAA football video game that we all love so much for a decade. Man, I do you do you ever do in college what uh, me and uh, Chris Dukes and our other roommates did was play that game like for with shots on the line. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, I mean, so I was in college when NCAA stopped, right? I was 12 oh, through nice. 16. So the, my last couple of years in school, we didn't have the new version of the game. But yeah, I mean, it was either NCAA shots. FIFA shots was probably the biggest one for my crew. Uh, but Madden, Madden and NCAA football shots were very much a thing, too. I've got to get caught up with video game technology because I, you know, I walk into my brother's house. This is maybe a couple like Christmas to Thanksgivings ago. I walk into my brother's house and I'm like, dude, why is there an NBA game on right now? He's like, no, this is 2K. I'm like, it looks like a real freaking game. So I'm, like, I'm out I'm totally out of touch on what's going on on the video game front. You and me are in the same boat. Like this might be the thing that gets me back into video games, Jeff. But like I, the last console I bought was an Xbox 360. Yeah. Um, and like I, I've lived, I've lived in my current place for six months now since I moved back to Austin and I have that Xbox 360, I have a PlayStation 2 and I have a Nintendo 64. They're all still sitting in the suitcase that I moved to Houston from. So like that, that just, that shows you my video game playing right now. It is non-existent. And once again, maybe NCAA football coming back, like gets me back into it, but yeah. I don't know. It's sad how far off both of us have fallen, it sounds like. I've got the SNES Classic when that came out and the NES Classic. I found one at HEB of all places. And I was like, I'm going to snag it before because I don't know if I'm going to see this thing again at retail price, and I haven't. Mm -hmm. So I got those hooked up on the big TV. By the way, shout out Tom McKay and AV Consultations for the big TV I've got in the living room, the nice sound system and everything. Um, so I've got those hooked up. The wife and I'll play some Dr. Mario. Every now and then, uh, yeah. play some Mario Kart. Uh, my daughter likes watching watching Street Fighter. She likes the characters on Street Fighter. So 
we're we're slowly becoming a video game family again. Slowly, slowly but surely. There we're you go. Here. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like uh, Fozzy Wazzy, right? Like uh, they're gonna buy the new console just so they can play the NCAA football video game. I told the wife, I'm like, we're we're getting a PlayStation Five, so you might as well just wrap your head around it now. <laughs> You've already told her that it's coming. Happen. Yeah, yeah. I said like. I think Tony Hawk Pro Skater is my favorite video game franchise of all time. Ooh, that was a good like, one. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4, I, I, I am convinced I am in the top 0.1% of players of that game in the world. Like, there's there's nobody better than me at that um, in in, uh, in this continent. But I, I was like, they made a new Tony Hawk game last year, and I was telling people, like, that's going to be the thing that gets me to buy a new console so I can get back into Tony Hawk's Pro Skater because I love it so much. Yeah. And then I just, I never did. Like, I haven't even played the new game. I don't know if it's good or not. You know, back in the day, what actually was, I enjoyed more than the Tony Hawk games was Dave Mira BMX. Same, same concept, but mm-hmm. dude, Dave Mira BMX was freaking awesome. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think Dave Mira is, I don't, I think Dave Mira is no longer with us. Is it Dave Mira or Matt Hoffman? No, it was Dave Mira. I had a Matt uh, Hoffman's pro BMX game once on, uh, on the PS2, I think. Yeah, Dave Mira left this mortal world in 2016, so Dave's been Dave's been gone for a minute. That's a tough one. Rest in peace, Dave. Sorry for sorry for your family's loss. Yes, eight, year, eight, eight years. years. Yeah, you know, eight years later. I'm sure that uh, that means a lot to them. Uh, uh, BK, did you have anything that was top of mind for you today? Well, it's opening day tonight. I was going to ask if I'd be uh, seeing you at the dish later I'll on this yeah. evening. Yeah, man. Uh, LBJ getting the ball. He'll throw the rubber. You know, I, I, David Pierce, I thought, had the quote of the day yesterday when he was asked, you know, what made LBJ the good fit for the Friday night roll. And he said, when he when he takes the ball, everybody in the building feels like we're going to win. Yep. That's what you want from your Friday night guy, man. That's, That's, whether it's been Nolan Kingham or uh, Bryce Elder, Ty Madden, you know, Lucas Gordon. You've had that guy. Pete Hansen, you, you, David Pierce has had that guy more often than not. Yeah, and if LBJ is the same guy he was last year, then he is that guy. I mean, obviously, if he takes another step, then okay, he's got a chance to be one of the best pitchers in the country. He was yeah. already the preseason conference pitcher of the year, so I don't think I'm going out on too crazy of a limb by saying that. But yeah, if that guy is even better than what he was in 2023, then uh, he got a bona fide stud every Friday night. I mean, that... Go back and look at what he did in the midweek game, what he did in that LSU lineup that ended up winning the national championship. I mean, he was – that came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. it's like, all right, can he just – can he maintain maintain long enough for, for the bats to figure out this LSU pitching and maybe they can put something together. But it's like, dude, LBJ, if they would have won that game, he would have been the reason why. Definitely. He was awesome. Um, CB's question about Tanner Witt. Tanner Witt might pitch this weekend. It sounds like I don't want to put words in David Pierce's mouth, but it sounds like maybe just some confidence issues where just letting it rip. Uh, I don't think it's a velo thing at this point. I, I, it doesn't sound like it. it doesn't sound like it's a, a control slash command issue. Just getting back to being the dominant Tanner Witt that he was. Uh, and, and I say that because kind of Coach Pierce's last line on that was he feels like he's closer than maybe Tanner Witt feels he's closer to being ready. So maybe it's just some confidence stuff, but he's he's close. So you'll get yeah. LBJ tonight, you'll get Charlie Hurley tomorrow, and then it's T, uh, TBA on, on Sunday, TBD on, on Sunday. 
Well, I don't like hearing that at all. I mean, I, I no. do not want to hear confident, like, because I, I don't want to sit here and say the whole season hinges on Tanner Witt, but like, dude, if Tanner Witt can be, you know, two years ago, pre-TJ Tanner Witt, yeah, and you've got LeBaron Johnson, like that's as good of a one-two punch as you're going to find, and that, those guys can carry you to Omaha. Yeah. And, I, you know, like I don't like hearing that. I, I get it, Tommy John surgery and coming back, it's a long road back, and it's kind of a different thing, but – Man, I, I don't like hearing confidence issues when uh, we're talking about as a player as important as Tanner Witt's going to be. Yeah, and, and, and let me just reiterate, that's that's me talking. That's me reading the tea leaves and piecing it together. And I, I feel like he once he just lets it rip, I, I think BK, all it's going to take, and, and we saw him pitch last year, and you go back to the weekend that they clinched the conference against West Virginia, he he battled, but man, there were some high leverage situations, like some two on two out situations, where he needed to buckle down and get the job done. And he was he was striking guys out and was was in the zone. Did not pitch well at all in the postseason, but you know, I, I wonder how much that led into maybe some of the issues he's dealing with right now. But I feel like once he gets back on the mound, and maybe it's a deal like you remember uh, Pete Hansen going into the twenty that would have been the twenty one season. Uh, Pete had had some some arm issues, you know. There was the COVID stuff, and then he had some arm issues that fall. Didn't require surgery, but they were really careful on how they used Pete Hansen, used him in the midweek. And then by the time you got to the postseason, you had you know three starters that you could trust to take the ball and and go get the job done. Mm-hmm. Now I think the uh, the challenge for Tanner Witt is really the challenge for David Pierce is. How do you work him in? Because I, I think it's all about once he gets on the mound and has some success and can build some confidence, maybe that works. Or do you maybe worry about it going the other way? No. I don't know. But I, I, yes, there's a chance you could see Tanner with this weekend, but I don't think it'll be as a starter. I think it's. I think what you're saying is is perfect though. Like you don't need Tanner with this weekend, right? Like if it's better for his confidence, his psyche, his mental to kind of ease into this season then all right, do that because you need him more for conference play and you need him more closer to the summertime than you do on February 16th. So, uh, yeah, hopefully yeah, it's just the right move and you let him figure some things out and he'll be uh, the same old Tanner Witt. But, I mean, yeah. let, let's be honest. With, with the early part of your schedule, you've yeah. got three games against San Diego. you got a midweek against Houston Christian next week. you got three against Cal Poly at home. And you got a midweek against St. John's before you go to Minute Maid. Dude, it gets you know that's typically the thing. Like Texas will either do one. They David Pierce likes alternating those tournaments. He he likes playing at uh, Globe Life one year and then the next year go to Minute Maid. And the Globe Life thing, like Texas has not played well in that tournament. But even David Pierce will tell you the good thing is you get a lot of information, quality information right off the bat about where you are. Yeah. And you know, for the twenty one team that was good enough to win a national championship. It was, hey, you guys aren't as good as you think you are. Some of you guys need to go back to work. And we saw that 21 team eventually put it together and push Mississippi State, and they were they were right there. They were good enough to win it all. Now with the Minute Maid thing, you've got these, what is that, six, seven, eight games really to kind of get your ducks in a row because you play St. John's on Tuesday the 27th, and then you go to Minute Maid for a Friday night game against LSU. Yeah come back the next day and play Texas State and then play Vanderbilt on Sunday. So that's three that's three really quality teams you're going to play right there. Oh, and then by the way, you come back from that, 
You got A&M at home, and then you go to Lubbock to open conference play. So it gets real in a couple of weeks. But to your point, BK, you've got a couple of weeks to to get the Tanner Witt thing figured out. I think get some of your lineup stuff figured out. So that way, when you go to Houston, you're going to take a squad into there. You'll take your lineup card and your rotation and think, okay, we feel like this is the the combination that's going to get it done. That's yeah. Gonna, it's going to be able to win us a conference championship. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, you don't need to look at your record this early into the season, but like you, you would like Texas to be seven and one, if not eight, no going into that stretch of games that yeah. starts with those three in Houston. Cause these are all teams that you should be able to beat. I get it. It's baseball. Like You're, you're not going to win all of them and you could have a bad night and whatever you'll slip up. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day in this sport. But yeah, it'd be uh It'd be really nice to have some confidence. If Texas is like four and four through these eight games, and then all of a sudden you're going into that stretch of games that you're talking about, it's it's going to be like, uh-oh, this, yeah. this could be a long year. I think even more than the record, BK, I think it's the eye test too because you could be seven and one and not feeling very good about where this team is. Mm-hmm. I just – the main thing I look for when you face competition like this, again, San Diego is not a terrible program, but again, you should be able to sweep them in a three-game series. Or at least win the series. Yeah, yeah. You I, you should still see, <clears throat> excuse me. You should still see quality at bats in terms of guys identifying good pitches to hit, execute. You know, executing your hit and runs. You know, a good a good run game, making smart base running decisions. Pitchers just being able to throw strikes. That's been a huge deal for this pitching staff for the last couple of years. It's just especially guys out of the bullpen, just their inability to throw strikes. And you know David Pierce kind of labeled he he feels like they've got they've got a chance. He's really liked what he's seen out of Gage Bame, who's a kid, uh, JC kid, actually from Hutto, and it was JC kid at Blinn was coming over, hard thrower at the back end of the bullpen. Grant Fontenot was an LSU kid who ended up at McLennan. Uh, it's always, I always question man if you're going to be a relief pitcher and wear 99, you better be you better be able to back that up. Uh, if you're burning, bring, we're 99 out of the pen. But with Bame and and, uh, and Fano, you got a couple of hard-throwing guys out of the bullpen. And then with David Shaw, who's a little more crafty, he feels like he's got – he said it yesterday. He feels like with those three, they can really shorten the game for you. So maybe you don't need to extend your staff as much. Um, but it's all about throwing strikes. And you, if you look at Ace Whitehead or some of the other bullpen hands, man, can they just throw strikes? Yeah. Don't, don't be freaking walking a bunch of guys. Don't nibble. Just go after guys. Yeah, and that's like the biggest question I feel like every college baseball coach has on opening day. It's like, do I have a bullpen? And who are going to be the bullpen arms that I can rely on? And yeah. like, you, don't, you don't get a scholarship offer to University of Texas baseball if you don't at least have some potential. Yeah. Who can you actually rely upon? And you're right, like that's, that's the most frustrating thing for a coach. It's also the most frustrating thing for me as a fan. Like, all right, if the other team hits you, that's fine. Like, of course, you don't want it, but you just put guys on for free. I mean, that's just, oh, there's nothing a coach hates more. There's nothing a fan hates more. There's nothing the guys out in the field hate more. Like, just make them earn it, please. That was an issue way too much last year. You know, with the bullpen, too, I want to know how much do we see early on. You know, David Shaw had some arm issues at the end of last year, uh, but he's, you know, they got him on a good program, and they feel good about where he's at. You got Luke Harrison coming off of Tommy John, who – he was really freaking good. Uh, you go back to the the three games that Minute made two years ago where they beat LSU and Tennessee. He was, I think it was the, the Tennessee game. Or no, it was the LSU game. My bad. Where he was really good. 
Or it might have been Tennessee. I don't remember. It was one of those two games. BK. I can't remember. I was, was at I was at those games too, yeah. and I can't remember. He was Luke Harrison was really freaking good as a lefty out of the bullpen. So you got him coming back off Tommy John. Heston Toll has kind of had some some arm trouble. So those those three guys, man, Shaw, Toll, and Harrison. How much of those guys do we see? How effective are they? I mean, Heston Toll. Heston Toll's kind of got the mentality David Pierce wants. Doesn't necessarily have the stuff, but I think has the mentality of he's going to take the mound and feel like I've got the biggest, you know, what in the ballpark and I'm just going to compete and try to get guys out. You know, that's yeah. what you want from your, your stopper. Um, can Bame get that mentality? Can Fontenot have that type of mentality? Cause they've got better stuff. So that, that bullpen mix is really interesting, man. If they, if they, again, if Harrison can, can give them some quality innings later on, if toll is right, Shaw, they, they've got a chance to have a, a really damn good, but much better bullpen than they've had the last two years. That'd be nice. Text on the code of text line, 512-222-9328. Somebody says, BK and Jeff, come say hi. I'm in section 116. So I guess we'll just yell hi until somebody responds and they know it's us because we don't... Just we don't wave at the press box and I'll, I'll wave back. Oh, yeah. I'll be, yeah, you'll I'll be, be up there. Crowd. You're, you're obviously welcome. No obligation. But if you want to stop by the left field table on your way in, I don't know what time you plan on getting there, but we'll be doing a little pregame yeah. show. I don't know what time I'm planning on getting in either because my daughter has her first t-ball practice tonight, so I want to try to make some of that. You're not coaching? No, I didn't get roped into that. Uh, two years ago, I got roped into coaching t-ball. Congratulations to you. I figured because you're a sports guy, like I think this happens to Trey because he like works in sports. You know, He's way less of a sports guy compared to you. He just gets asked to do all the coaching stuff. So I kind of figured like anybody, any dad who works in sports – they're, they always get the ask first. Like, oh, you like sports? You work in sports? You must want to do this. Why? That's why I try to fly under the radar, man. I try yeah. to fly under the radar. But, you know, honestly, I don't get asked as much as sometimes my wife volunteers me. Yeah. But, you know, she knows now with, with baseball season being here, like, my time to volunteer is not good. Plus, with, she's got practices on Fridays and games will be on Tuesdays and some Saturdays. Like, that's... Your midweek games are on Tuesdays and your practices are on Fridays. So, like, I'm I'm pretty much out for, for coaching. I'm just hoping to be there for some of them. Man, I heard uh, that Keith Moreland and Greg Swindell are calling the T-ball games, too. Do I have that correct? Uh, there, there's room in the – there's a press box. So, yeah, they could – I mean, I'll, I'll, buy the, I'll buy the adult beverages if Zeke and Zonk want to come down and call the T-ball games. No, that would be something. What about uh, what about this offense? I want to get your thoughts on the basketball game tomorrow. And you know, Bucky and I got into a relatively heated debate. Nothing we do is that heated, but like on the eight versus nine game conference slate in the SEC in football. But uh, this offense, man, I mean, you know, no Dylan Campbell, Big Twelve Player of the Year. He's yeah. gone. Eric Kennedy, the team leader in home runs, he's gone. I mean, you've got you know four or so regular players from your lineup who won't be there uh this season who who do you expect to step up and maybe who needs to step up for this offense to not take a step back in 24 you know it's interesting you look at the go back to 21 and you look at the 21 team and we knew ivan melendez was good but he was going into 22 he was kind of a piece to the puzzle it, we nobody expected him to have 32 home runs and have the kind of year he had David Pierce told me when I chopped it up with him before the season started a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, if we're going to have somebody emerge as a superstar type player, then it's going to be that where we're not expecting it. You know, they've got a couple of guys, you know, Porter Brown's a guy that 
has played enough college baseball and was really good last year. They feel like Porter Brown's going to be there for him. Same thing with Peyton Powell. Uh, Jared Thomas was really good last year as a freshman, only going to get better. So really high expectations for Jalen Flores uh, with the kind of offseason he had. I think the Grand Slam and the Coral Gables Regional probably gave him a, a shot of confidence. But he's got a chance now to, to be the everyday shortstop. I think they're going to give him that opportunity. Max Ballou had a really good summer uh, in the Wood Bat League in California. So he's going to be in right field. Uh, it's interesting, though. He talked, David Pierce talked about it yesterday, too. His five best hitters are left-handed guys. So how do you break that up in the lineup so you're just not running down lefties? Um, but I, I think if there, I, I think Jalen Flores, you'll probably see it with the power. If, if there's, there's going to be a power surge on this team, it'll be Flores. Really interesting. David Pierce has talked so much about Max Ballou, the improvements he's made. Ballou's the kind of guy that could give you some power as a corner outfielder. And I feel like at this point, what you saw last year from Porter Brown, Peyton Powell, and Jared Thomas, I feel like you're going to see a lot of the same this year from those guys. Uh, Thomas especially, you know, being, uh, you know, people look at it like, well, your first baseman's going to hit leadoff. This isn't like, you know, your normal first baseman. Jared Thomas is probably the best outfielder on this team, but you just need him to play first base. So he's got speed, all the stuff you want in a leadoff hitter. So I think I'm I'm expecting this offense to produce. I mean, that's one thing that's kind of been constant with uh, with Davis teams. Really, other than that 19 team, I mean, yeah, that 2018 offense, you had two major leaguers with, with David Hamilton and Cody Clemens. But you look at 21, 22, and last year, they've managed to be able to manufacture runs and find a way to score score runs in different ways. So I'm, I don't really worry about them offensively, BK. Maybe that's overconfidence by me, but I'm not, I'm not worried about them producing. I trust your judgment, and I'm holding you to it. If this offense sucks, it's going to be your fault. No, but, I'll uh, take full play. I'll tell you what's going to help, though. Jared Thomas talked about this yesterday. And I, this is so key. You know, Tulo had been around the program, but having Troy Tulowitzki there every day as director of player development, I, I was hoping – I was hoping the answer he gave was what I was going to get because somebody asked Jared Thomas in a press conference, what's been the best thing about having Tulo around? And he said, it's been the mental approach that, you know, if you have a bad day in an inner squad, that Tulo's the guy, the first guy that's going to remind you, hey, dude, you're just, you know, flush this one. Like, you're a really freaking good hitter. Like, mm -hmm. you're a good college hitter. You know, just flush this one, come back tomorrow. So not letting stuff linger, like whether it's, you know, it was Zach Zuby or Trey Faltini, whoever that Tulo was around for those two years. They'll tell you that's where he helped so much was the mental approach. Like he's like, look, man, you know, I I was, you know, he was a Troy Tulowitzki was a silver slugger in the major leagues, and he had times where he struggled. Like, but you're you're here for a reason. You're a, you're a good college hitter. You're a good college player. Just flush it and move on. You'll you'll be yeah. fine the next day. Don't don't bring it with you to the ballpark the next day. So I I think for the offense, just having Tulo there every day from a mental standpoint is going to be huge for these guys. Agreed. That's a huge readdition for this uh, Texas yeah. coaching staff. Love having Tulo back. And shout out to Noe, our newest TSU member. Hey. Yeah, well, YouTube membership program now that we just started here on Texas Sports Unfiltered gives you uh, access to some exclusive perks. You get to get some cool emojis you get a loyalty badge you also get us to follow you on social media and perhaps most importantly uh, you will be entered into more monthly giveaways that will be exclusive to our tsu members so a uh, shout out to you no grant cb michael daryl double d i mean we've got rob a bunch of folks have uh, have already jumped on board today so thank you guys uh, so much for continuing to show us your support and i promise we will make the y'all's investment worthwhile.
All right, quick shout-outs to some sponsors. We mentioned AV Consultations a little bit earlier. Jeff can talk about them. I can talk about mm -hmm. them. A bunch of us at Texas Sports Unfiltered can talk about the greatness of audiovisual consultations. If you want to spruce up your home TV setup, AV Consultations, they're the folks to call. Just give them a call. 512-255-8678. That's 255-8678. Or check them out online at avconsultations.com. Also, shout-out to our great friends at Covert Bee Cave if you're in the market for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, go see our friends out at Covert Bee Cave off of 71, the best selection you are going to find. Unbeatable prices, fantastic service. Nobody does it better. And of course, nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever. Go see our friends at Covert Bee Cave or check out any of the Covert auto dealerships across the Austin area. They've been around since 1909. Thanks to both of them. And thanks to all of our fantastic sponsors here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. All right, Jeff, let's get into the football here. I want to get your thoughts on uh, on the conversation Bucky and I had this morning. Hey, BK, so, real quick before I do that. Yes. Speaking of giveaways, oh, uh, in the coming months, because I don't know how long it's going to take me to get these submitted and get them back, but I want you to look at this, man. This right here is a stack. This is nothing but B. John Robinson rookies. I'm going to get some of these graded. Anything that comes back with that gem mint 10 grade, be giving it away on uh it's only an hour so yo gifts for the people how about that yeah. plan on giving a couple of those away so big time gift for the people yeah i won't yeah, ask you how you upgraded i don't know but yes those will be given away at some point hey i i think people would take any of them graded ungraded <laughs> ripped unripped signed unsigned some good whatever stuff in there too Wow, that's uh, that's awesome, big time. Where should I ask where you got those? You got a plug? I've just been I've just been picking up stuff. I, I'm a I'm a big Facebook sale. Like, you know, you just see something. It's like, hey, these you know, these ten Bijan cards. I think it's maybe some people that don't value running backs or don't really know what they have. I'm like, I'm I'm very hey, your your trash is my treasure, sir. So I'll yeah. gladly take that lot at a discounted price. Uh -huh. I know the uh, devaluing of the running back in the NFL, but man, to me, Bijan's one of those dudes who's got a chance to be one of those guys who's around for a long, long time. Hell I hope yeah. I'm right, but I don't. I don't expect Bijan to have that like 26, 27 year old fall off like we've seen from so many other running backs in recent years. I, I think that dude's got the work ethic, the mindset, most importantly, the skill set to uh, have success in this league for a long time, as long as his coach gives him the ball. Yeah. Who's the Falcons coach? I forgot who they hired. Raheem Morris. Okay. Defensive guy. Who's his offense? I was going to say, who's his OC? Oh, who did they bring in? Uh Oh, uh, Robinson. Uh, Zach Robinson, because he was oh, with okay. Morris with the Rams. Yeah. Former uh, Oklahoma State great. Yep. So he was, I guess, second in command behind McVay for that offense with the Rams, part of that Super Bowl staff a few years ago. Now he's the guy to hopefully give Bijan the ball a, a few more times. Jim Bob Cooter not an option? Oh, what's he doing these days? I don't know, but we need more Jim Bob Cooter in the NFL. We need more Cooter at all times. That's, that's, Cooter is good. It's always a good thing. Where do you stand on uh, the 8v9 game schedule in the SEC? Like CDC talked about it, that the town hall or state of the union, whatever the hell you want to call the thing that happened on campus a couple of days ago, uh, he was asked about you know, scheduling in the future, and he also had some interesting comments about whether or not Texas would play Big 12 teams beyond this year, but also 
Yeah, he, he kind of hinted towards the SEC leaning to a nine-game schedule. Do you mm -hmm. have any strong take in the HSO on uh, whether or not eight or nine games is better or makes more sense for Texas? I, I feel like it's got to be nine. It's got to be nine because your league is too competitive. I think it enhances your chances of getting multiple teams into that 12-team format. And hell, who knows how long we're going to have the 12-team, BK? This thing will go to 16 or held 24 or whatever before too long. Uh, I just I just think this league is too good, and the television dollars are too robust now. Having that that November game where you're playing, you're having the week off, playing the, you know, whoever, some SWAC team or some FCS team, that just needs to go away. And you know what? Hey, schedule, if you're going to play nine games in the SEC, schedule whatever non-con schedule you want. If you want to, I, I kind of like the way the Big 12 has done it, where it's like, hey, you've got to schedule at least one Power 5 in the non-conference, and the other two you can kind of do whatever you want with. I'd be cool with that, but you've got you to have nine. I think you've got to have nine conference games. And for Texas, I'll tell you why Texas wants nine. Texas wants nine for the same reason Oklahoma wants nine and the same reason Florida and Georgia want nine. You know, the one thing those four have in common is they all play that rivalry neutral site game. So you figure from a, a revenue standpoint, you get one neutral, four on the road, four at home. You're never unbalanced in your schedule. So for those four, it works out really nice. Now, as far as everybody else goes, I think that's why you see someone to stay at eight and might not be in a hurry to get to nine. What if you got rid of that week 11 cupcake game? What if you just did what Texas is doing this year where you play your four non-conference games right off the bat and then, boom, it's eight straight SEC games? Would that... I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, if see, that's... Eight, yeah. You're right. Like money wins. Money talks and, and it's going to be nine because it makes all of these schools more money and yeah. the TV partners would spend more money if they get nine SEC games versus just eight. But for me, like the argument I was making this morning is, dude, you're playing in the toughest conference in the sport. You don't need more of those really hard games. All right. And Texas has Michigan and Ohio State on the slate these next four years. And then you're telling me you're going to play Ohio State in 2026 and then nine SEC games. And you're going to play Michigan in 2027 and then nine SEC games. Like, hey, if you're great, if you're a legit national championship contender, you'll take care of your business. You'll do what you need to do to make it to the playoff. But shit, man, like you're already in the toughest league in the sport. I don't think Texas is going to stop scheduling at least one marquee out of conference game every year. Yeah. Like, give me eight, please. Give me a better chance to make the playoff. All right. It's not my money. I want to get into the CFP. That was my argument. I, I only like eight if you're, if you just, the, the hypothetical you just gave me, if that's how you do it, if you play your four non cons before the season starts. Mm -hmm. But again, you, the problem you run into there is, one of those marquee non-conference games for some of these teams is going to be a rivalry game. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Kentucky and Louisville, South Carolina and Clemson. So that's one of those deals that, that you run into where they might want that non-conference game at the end. But, I mean, at this point, you can't have your cake. You need it, too. Like, honestly, man, like, I think it's better for TV if you say, okay, most of your schools are going to have garbage non-conference schedules, but you can tell me, hey, you can get Clemson, South Carolina, you can get Georgia, Georgia Tech, you can get Louisville, Kentucky, you can get those games in early September, then, okay, maybe that that makes up for it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, look, I, I want Texas to play a really good non-conference game every single year, but I also want like 
three cupcakes on the schedule. It's getting to the point, BK, where like, especially with the SEC and ESPN, because they're they've got tier one rights for football and men's basketball. It's getting to the point where in the future, ESPN is going to determine kind of what your schedule looks like. Like, no, we need you to play this game. You know, we want at least one marquee game every week. Yeah, in this league. You, you can do that. That's so guess, easy guess to do. What? That means, uh, you know, if Clemson has, or let's say like Auburn has Clemson on a non-conference schedule, well, you might have wanted to play that one in, you know, the third week of September. No, we're going to need you to play that Labor Day weekend because we need that for TV. We need mm. that TV in the tour. Yeah. You know, Alabama, Notre Dame, yeah, we want you. No, we want that. We want that second week of September, not the first. BK wants Texas to play Austin Community College, uh, Houston Tillotson, and University of Phoenix. Yeah, I, I'd love to play the best of online University of Phoenix. Just get uh, all their best football is, players from the online classes and bring them here to Austin. We'll take them home. Is, is DeVry not available? <laughs> what about the Cordon Blue? Can we get the chefs out here for a game? If I if IT and T was still in business, uh, if ITT oh. Tech was still in business, then you could you know you could have something with ITT. God, that's a good pull. I forgot about ITT Tech. And my brother went to ITT Tech. No, nope. people actually went to ITT Tech. Well, I I still question my brother. I'm like, okay, how much class did you actually go to? Mm-hmm. Was it online or was it in person? It was in person. Okay, I think that's why the business model was wrong, man. Wow. Back in the day, yeah, back in the day, you had no internet, BK. Does the Big 12 run through ITT Tech as well? It's just Texas Tech. Well, I, based on some of the people I know that have gone to Tech, they probably would have been better off going to ITT Tech, but I digress. The, the graduation rate at ITT Tech is definitely higher than the graduation rate at Texas Tech University. Hey, and I say this from people that have tried to apply to both. Apparently, it is harder to get into Texas State than it is to Texas Tech, so... Mm. Before any Red Raiders want to make fun of my Texas State degree, just know I've got I've done my research. I'm on I'm on with both barrels ready to go. Easier to get an STD at Texas Tech or Texas State? Uh well, the advantage Texas State has is some of that'll wash off in the river. <laughs> so yeah. I'm gonna say it's probably easier in Lubbock. Okay. They got their own rash like that. That they got to be near the top if you have a whole disease for your own school. Yeah, that's a problem. The reason why every uh, every good every notable apartment complex in San Marcos has a hot tub because I mean I don't think those things will live in uh, boiling water, will they? It's well done. Yeah. Well, that would have been the cure for worst worst sickness I ever had in my life. BK was not sexually transmitted, but it was from. you get the bright idea, you know, the for that that winter freeze, like around Thanksgiving, you know, going hot tub when there's when it's sleet outside. Yeah, turns out if I had to do that one over, I probably would because I I ended up losing about fifteen pounds in a week. From not the hot eat or the hot, the hot tub was hot, but it was just cold outside. Yeah, yeah, you huh. go going hot tubbing when it's really cold outside. I didn't realize that was that bad for you. I didn't either until you know I was about three days after when I was wishing. I was like, you know, death might actually be better than what I'm experiencing right now. God, yeah, that's rough. It is bad. It was brutal. I figured like the polar plunge, you know, just like jumping in the pool when it's that cold outside could uh, could do you harm, but I didn't realize that heat and cold would... I mean, Shaq does commercials for that shit all the time, doesn't he? Isn't that what Icy Hot is? Look, when you're, when you're going hot tubbing and you're double fisting Captain Morgan and Diet Coke, I mean, your inhibitions <laughs> and your 
cognitive thinking just drops all of a sudden. Yeah. Again, kids, I'm telling you, do it responsibly. I'm telling yeah. you from experience. I think that's probably what did more of the damage to you there. Let's, let's be honest, BK. There were times where I couldn't afford Captain Morgan, so it's more like, you know, Kentucky Deluxe and Diet Coke. That's gross. Good times. We're all on a budget. You can't, beggars can't be choosers, man. You're right. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. I remember those days. I wish I didn't. There's a reason now when I when I taste like good, like I drink like good whiskey now, I'm like, oh, this is what whiskey's supposed to taste like. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, sometimes this I still just want to taste like. Yeah, I just want the well whiskey, you know. I don't want to I don't want to spoil myself too much. I want a <laughs> taste of the old times, you know. If it's out of a plastic bottle, that's what I'm looking for. Hell yeah. Right? McCormick's oh, vodka. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. How um so I, I made the declaration this morning. I don't know why I feel this way. You can ask me to try to justify it, and I'm not going to be able to. But I, I think Texas beats Houston tomorrow. I think they go down to Houston, go into the Fertitta Center, where the Cougs are 17-0 this season, outscoring teams by what feels like 50 a game. And I just think Dylan DeSue goes for 30. I think Max Aismith goes for like 19. I think Kendall Weaver guards Jamal Shedd for the majority of the game because that worked really well down the yeah. stretch when Texas nearly beat Houston in overtime here. And I, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I think Texas does, I want to say the impossible, but something that has felt impossible and beats Houston on the road tomorrow. You, you've got that feeling. I, I had that gut feeling before the Baylor game at home, right? Because you are you were coming off, what was it? You had the Tech loss and the UCF loss right before that. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I've seen I've seen enough Texas basketball seasons like this where they're a double digit seed or maybe a bubble. They're a bubble team that felt like that Baylor game was one. You know, usually when you're ready to count Texas out, this is usually one that they get it together and find a way to win a game like that. Is that kind of your thinking with this Houston game? And I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like maybe I'm I'm getting um, you know, just flashbacks to that first matchup and how close Texas was. But I also know that. Like Houston is, I think four and three or five and three on the road, and once again they're seventeen and zero at home this year. They've just been a completely different beast uh, inside the Fertitta Center. But Texas has been good on the road this year. Like, yeah. I, and uh, they haven't played a team like Houston on the road this year yet, and they will with you know Houston and Kansas and Baylor and Texas Tech all still coming up on yeah. the road. It's not going to be easy, but yeah, your road uh, record's about to get tested. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I think you just got a splash of that Case McCoy irrational confidence right now. That's it, man. Like, I can't, like, Ken Palm has this as an 11 point loss. Like, I think the Vegas line is like 10, 10 and a half. Like, this is clearly a bold pick by me. And it's a total gut. Like, if you really break down the game and the matchups and the numbers, like, of course, Houston should win. Yeah. They probably should win pretty handily. But it's, yeah, total. Like, I just woke up this morning and I'm like, I've got this random confidence. I don't have that much confidence in this team right now. And I just I feel like they're going to shock the world. Tomorrow. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I, I can see it, right? I, I can see how Texas can win this game. There's a path to victory. My thing is the what ifs are just too really there. The two what ifs. Can Dylan DeSue stay out of foul trouble? Because if he gets in foul trouble, you're screwed. Like you got no shot. Yep. And what are you going to get out of Tyrese Hunter? Yeah. If Tyrese Hunter gives you a game where he's, you know, shoots a decent percentage and is like it's a, you know, a 13 to 18 point night where he's the low turnover, high assist. We've seen Tyrese put those games together. Uh, 
do we have any confidence that he can string some together? No, there's no reason for you to believe he can't. And that, that's just the, the body of work he's put together. Sure, he's capable of it, but you can't expect it. So to me, it's those two things. I feel like you know what you're going to get from Max Aismas. Pretty much you're starting to feel like you know what you're going to get from Dylan Mitchell. Like you're going to get, you know, he'll play some tough defense, give you what he can there. He'll get you 10 to 12 points, 8 to 10 rebounds. He'll give you some energy. He'll have a couple highlight dunks. I, I think I don't know if I've thrown this theory at you, but D- Dylan Mitchell reminds me of like the early to mid two thousands in the NBA, where you had that wave of like kind of undersized power forwards, like the Darius Miles or a Tyrus Thomas, where you looked at him and you're like, dude, this dude can jump out of the gym. Like he's an athlete. Like, oh my gosh, like you just, it just makes jaw dropping plays. And you're like, yeah, but he doesn't shoot it that well. He's, he's a good rebounder, not a great rebounder, plays okay defense. But like, so at the end of the day, like, what does he really do? <laughs> you know, yeah. like he doesn't, there's nothing about, other than his athleticism, there's nothing about his game. And I like Dylan Mitchell as a person. He's improved a lot from last year. But there's nothing about his game other than his athleticism and his ability to be a rim runner that you look at and say, yeah, that's an elite skill that translates yeah. to the NBA. Is Taj Gibson another guy like that? Uh, no, Taj Gibson is more kind of a rugged kind of, you know, hope Taj Gibson will get in there and bang a little bit. That, that um, he would. That you he know, would. I, I just, I, I hope, I hope Dylan Mitchell can get there, but he's not there yet. Yeah. Uh, but at that rate, at any rate, you feel like you know what you're going to get out of him on a night night in night out basis right now. Yeah. What are you going to get from Tyrese Hunter and can DeSue stay out of foul trouble? If those two things happen, then yeah, you got a chance to go down there and win a game. There, there, there's a chance that three minutes into tomorrow's game, my prediction is wrong. Like yeah. if Dylan DeSue picks up two fouls before the first TV timeout of the game, then it's over. You can start your tweets saying I'm an idiot for thinking we had a chance because that game is going to get out of hand quickly. Like this, and if if Tyrese Hunter starts turning the ball over, then you, yeah, you're, then you're going to lose by thirty. Yeah, I mean if Hunter can just play half as well as he played last Saturday, like obviously yeah. Houston's a massive step up from West Virginia, so I don't expect them to go nineteen and seven. Yeah, tomorrow. I'm not saying but you can go nineteen and seven, that. BK, but you can't go scoreless and have critical turnovers. Bingo. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> something in between that would be uh, would be nice, and it should be expected. I mean, I feel like we're setting the bar low for Tyrese Hunter. And if, he can, if, if he can give you 10 and 5, not take any bad shots and not turn the ball over, that gives you a chance. Yep, it does. That's it. That's not, like, that's not asking a lot. That's, like, below his season average in points per game, and it's just, uh, but I, I don't know I if keep, we can expect that. I keep that. wanting to look at his numbers. Um Last I checked, I felt like his free throw rate was like insanely low. Whereas, yeah, Tyrese Hunter should be getting more than 2.3 free throw attempts per game because he's such a good driver. He's such a good penetrator. You should be drawing more fouls. You should be getting to the line more than less than two and a half times per game. Yeah, agreed. I don't know what's what's wrong with him. It's a confidence issue, maybe. But, but the problem is, last year he was an eighty percent free throw shooter. Yeah. He shoot about sixty eight percent this year. Regression. You know, not, not only there, but in other aspects of his game this year, which doesn't make sense. And it, it's 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 disappointing because, like, when he's good, 
he's really freaking good. Yeah. Like when he's locked in and he's he's playing defense, I think the thing that hurts him too is I still think he goes through those stretches where he lets his de- he lets his offense affect his defense at times. Mm-hmm. But man, when he's when he's on, dude, he's he's a guard that can win you games. He can win. He's proven he can win you games in March. Like Tyrese Hunter's a really good college guard. Yeah, I know the eye test probably doesn't reveal that consistently this year, but I've seen that dude. Whether he was at Iowa State or at Texas, I've seen him go win teams games in March. Yeah, I've seen they- him win big time games. Big part of the run last year. You're right. His freshman year at Iowa State, what they were a 10 seed or an 11 seed, and they 11, made it. Yeah. yeah, made it to the Sweet 16 uh, that year, and he was and really, really they good. They were, they were in the same their pod because Wisconsin was the three seed in their in their region. I watched him have a really good game against LSU the first round, and then I went and watched him pretty much almost by himself beat Wisconsin. Who they they lost to a ten seed that year, right? Wasn't it one of those weird ten eleven? I think they lost to Miami. I want to say they lost to Miami. Okay, uh, I can't remember that. That doesn't sound wrong though. They lost so. to Miami in Chicago. That sounds right in my head. Okay, good call. I'll roll with it. That's enough for me. Uh, so, the, the Google machine will have my answer here very shortly. Okay. So what's um, what's your yeah? Prediction? They lost to Miami. Uh, 70 to 56 in Chicago in the Sweet 16. Great callback. No Kentucky Deluxe was consumed by you on that day. Clearly. No, sir. No, I was, uh, you know, I, I know what I do remember about that NCAA tournament because that was, the, that was the Texas. They beat Virginia Tech and then they had a chance against, dude, the free, the, the free throw differential in that Purdue game was stupid. Dude, that's and two tournament losses in a row for Texas where we've just been hosed at the free throw line. Dude, it was, it was ridiculous. And it's like, man, it, what are you supposed to do against Zach Eady? Like, and I, dude, you look like Brock Cunningham and Christian Bishop and, you know, anybody that does sue, like they, they fought their asses off against Zach Eady. And it's like, man, just him going to the foul line. It just, it was freaking annoying. But like they, as frustrating as it was, like they gave themselves a chance. And it was like a four point game with what, like less than a minute. And then Jay Nivey just hit some ridiculous ass three pointer yep. from the top of the key. And it was pretty much done at that point. Yeah, we were getting, I mean, Texas was getting cooked in the first half, right? And they came all the way back and made it a game. And yeah, Jaden Ivey hit the dagger. But I think, yeah, Purdue shot 40-something free throws in that game. And then, obviously, you think of what happened last year in the tournament where Miami shot 30-something free throws in the second half of that oh, game. And yeah, and, and I, I take it back. That Wisconsin game, that was Gabe Kalsher that had the big game against. Ah, Gabe Kalsher, yeah, he, he could play, too. They had 20, 20, 22 points, and that went over Wisconsin. I'm, I'm not going to be – look, I'm not, I'm not fire Rodney Terry guy at all. I'm my, not mind, my mind wanders, Jeff. I can't help it. Sometimes my mind wanders, all right? And I think about if this coach doesn't work out at Texas, who's a coach that could potentially work out at Texas? Job T.J. Otzelberger has done in Ames, Iowa, in his few years there. It's been very, very impressive. That's, I don't know if anyone's yeah. thinking like that, but that's uh, that's a guy to maybe keep in the back. Hopefully, we don't need this. Hopefully, Rodney yeah. Terry's here for 20 years and does an amazing job, and he yeah. retires after winning two championships. But if that doesn't happen, it's a name to think about. But you've always got to think about it, right? Like sure. some, something that happens. I mean, did any, did any of us two years ago think that at this point Chris Beard wasn't going to be the basketball coach of Texas? No. You always got to be thinking about it. I, you know – 
the two guys I go back to that I'm like, if, if, if CDC did have to make a move, and again, I, I hope it's Rodney Terry for the next decade. I really do. Not just because I like RT personally, but, you know, stability is nice, as we found out with football. Um, the two guys I kind of go back to, Mick Cronin is one, just because he, I know he's complained, he, he's complained about NIL at, at UCLA, and that, that just whole situation just seems like a cluster right now. But Mick Cronin's won enough college basketball games that I've, NIL won't be a problem at Texas. Like, if you, if you don't win at Texas, it's not going to be because of NIL. And a guy that I think, that, you know, does a, an underrated dude that does a good job, I mean, you look at what Steve Forbes has done at Wake Forest. Mm. Like, even when, you know, I, I just, I, I just think his teams play really good. I, I don't know. I, I just, there's some coaches that I'm just like, I, that I like. I was on the must bus for a long time, BK. But yeah. I think I told you, I, 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 I don't know if I told you this, but I was, uh, Last year when I was in Des Moines, because Kansas and Arkansas played right before Texas and Penn State did. That was a game. Arkansas wins it in overtime. Mm-hmm. And Musselman takes his shirt off as he's going up the tunnel. And the Arkansas fans are going crazy. And I'm looking over at the Texas guys. And I mean, it's Tyrese Hunter, Timmy Allen was right there, Bishop, and I forget who all. There's four or five guys standing in the walkway waiting to, waiting to get on the court. And they're looking at Musselman like, what the hell is this guy's deal like? <laughs> Like, I, I just think I feel like I feel like I said this about Caleb Williams play style translating to the NFL. I feel the same way with Eric Musselman shtick. It's got a shelf life. Mm-hmm. It's got an expiration date. And at some point, it's just it's going to it's fine if you're winning. But when you're not, it's really going to get on people's nerves. Yeah, I've heard I've heard uh, terms like soft landing used to describe to Eric Musselman with the way things are going at Arkansas right now. Which is like, insane, man, because look at that contract they restructured for him with that insane ass buyout, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's doing I don't know. A great job. I remember looking at that deal, I think maybe April 1 or, or May 1st, maybe that buyout drops. I got to go back and look at his contract. But I know last year when you know, we didn't know if our team was getting the job full time. And I was on the must bus and look at the buyout. The buyout was like 10 point something million. I, it was something stupid. And then, but after a point, it got more manageable. Pulling up the preseason college basketball poll to see where Arkansas was. They were in the teens, man. Yeah. They were ranked really high to start the year. They were 14 and they're currently 129 on Ken Palm. Uh, they're, they're dead last in the SEC, are they not? Uh, Mizzou hasn't won a game in the SEC. So they're ahead of Mizzou. Arkansas has got three conference wins, two conference wins. So they're <laughs> they're near the bottom. But, yeah, it's a preseason top 15 team. If you thought, like, when Texas was struggling as a preseason top 20 team, it was bad. Like, just watch watch Arkansas play. They, they were uh, – Tennessee the other night they were playing – yeah, I think so. And they, you know, like for like tw- for 18 minutes or so, they were right there and they ended up losing by like 30 on their home floor. <laughs> it's like, I know Tennessee's awesome this year, a top 10 team, and Rick Barnes is doing a great job and Dalton Connect is a stud, but it's like, damn, like that's Arkansas's made deep tournament runs. It's felt like every year since Muss has gotten there and now that's happening to them. Like, yeah. Total 180 for them. You know, A&M's another one of those teams, man. They were preseason. 
they were they were top fifteen in the preseason. Wow, because they won they won the NIT last year, and they're uh, they're fifteen and nine right now. Yeah, they're borderline tournament team right now. Like no, they were in the tur- they were in the tournament. Remember, because we were talking about yep. a projected second round Ooh. Texas Texas A and M game in Des Moines, and I kept telling you know any any of my Aggie friends that were talking about it. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I. I was kind of worried about Texas and Colgate. I'm like, that Colgate team spreads it around enough and shoots it well enough that they might give you some problems. I was like, and I don't, I'm not sure AM is beating Penn State. And I don't think AM ever had the lead in that game. The Penn State ran away with that thing. Yeah. Yeah. AM was in the NIT. They made it to the final two years ago and lost to Xavier. Because I think uh, they were they were like a 20, like a 22 and 11 record and didn't make the NCAA tournament. That sounds right. Like, well, when your when your non conference strength of schedule is in the three hundreds, just that's been I kind of my issue with Texas too. I I've said this, BK, and I, I had some people on the the flagship message board, Horns twenty four seven, get on to me a little bit. Like, I going to the SEC is crazy. This might sound it's not as good a basketball league as the Big Twelve. I'm expecting to see Texas have a better non-conference schedule on an annual basis than what they've had. Like, I get it. Like, you know, your, your Ken Palm rankings or your net or whatever playing in the big 12, it's going to even out at some point. Like you're going to be where you need to be come selection Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be the case in the sec. Is that a, is that a beard thing? That like, was a beard thing. Yeah. Okay. Go, go look at old Miss's non-conference schedule this year. Go look at his non-con schedules at tech. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, they, they would play Beard wouldn't even really get into like the preseason tournaments, right? Like he would want to play, you know, he was fine doing a neutral site game and loves playing, love playing at the garden, love doing neutral site in Dallas or Houston, somewhere like that. But mm-hmm. no, I, I was much I'd much rather see Texas be like in the Jimmy V classic or the Maui or whatever, but being being involved in Feast Week, because I love Feast Week. Yeah, it's an, under, it's an underrated time of the, to the sports on the sports calendar. Your NFL playoff races are heating up. We're getting down to the nitty gritty, getting close to conference championship time in college football, and then you've got Feast Week. And plus, I love watching the Maui. Where if I'm working late, I'm like, oh, I can get you know uh, Gonzaga and Kentucky playing at like midnight. Yep, it's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, people just don't care about college basketball that early in the college basketball season. Well, those people can bite me for all i care yeah i i love freaking feast week yeah i do too that is a great time on the sports calendar and uh we'll see cb if texas will play a&m in the ncaa tournament or if the aggies keep ducking us they did last year they had their chance i I would i would really it's more feasible to talk about playing the old big 12 teams and and the other sports and football just because you've only you're, you're real limited on your dates I would love to see. I I don't care if Texas ever goes to Lubbock after the baseball team's done. I don't care if they ever go to Lubbock for anything ever again. But because of the proximity, and it'll help you with net or whatever, Ken Palm, whatever metrics the committee's going to look at, I wouldn't mind seeing Texas continue a home-and-home with Baylor. Okay. That's going to be a quality game every year. Yeah. I'm with it. Scott, they they got to get that uh, the TV cameras fixed, though, at the new arena. You don't like well, I watched the women's game when Texas went there. Yeah. Oh I don't I don't want my camera angles to be from the moon. How do you screw that up? How do you build that nice of an arena and forget about the cameraman? See, this is this this is why Texas fans should be thankful for the Moody Center. 
that thing was built as an entertainment venue. So you're thinking about TV and acoustics and things like that right off the bat. There you go. You're talking about just building a barn for basketball. You know, they got to the end. It's like, oh, crap. We forgot we were putting camera platforms. Disaster. $200 million disaster. All right. I see the fellas. It's Chip and it's Zay. Gentlemen. What's, what's up, on? Zay? Chip, how's it going? What's happening? What up? Just talking about why when I watch a, a game at Foster Pavilion on TV, why my camera angle has to be from the moon. <laughs> yeah. I told Zay I, I kind of want to go to that game, that Texas Baylor game, just to experience the Foster Pavilion. Yeah. You know, see what what Baylor's spending their their uh, money on. You know, Chip, I, I was wondering if you're going to make the trip with Eric to go down to Fertitta Center this weekend, but you know, I, mm. I don't I don't blame you because Zay BK's on this kick where he thinks Texas is winning this game tomorrow. Oh, I mean, let's go! I, they got a chance. They got a chance. Hey, yeah, know. I'm I'm with BK if Dassault stays out of foul trouble and. Tyrese Hunter gives you something of note. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. he's got to give you 19 and 7 like BK and I were talking about. If he gives you a nice, you know, 10 and 6 and doesn't turn the ball over, that's that's fine. Yeah. yeah let's see if, they can, see if they can build on that, you know, five starters and double figure scoring against uh, the punching bag known as West Virginia. <laughs> And by the way, BK, I got my uh, my Tyrese Hunter NCAA tournament games confused earlier. It was the LSU game. I mentioned Kalsher went off against Wisconsin to get him to the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. In that game, that win over LSU, he had 23 points, made seven threes. Yeah, I'll sign up for that in a tournament game this year or just tomorrow. Can we get that tomorrow, please? It'd be nice. Uh, it's yeah. frustrating because uh, I've... Zay has to be on the end of my uh, the receiving end of my angry Max Aceman's texts during games because it frustrates me that a guy that's that good on offense can be that bad on defense. But Tyrese Hunter is more frustrating because you you see when it's good, you see how good it can be, and then you know you'll look at some games like, oh, dude, he hasn't scored and he's got five turnovers. Well, that's that's not good. Yeah, Max Aceman's defense has been so much better these last few weeks. It's because I it's because I started talking crap. That's why. <laughs> he heard me, and he's turned it around. So I'll take full credit for that. Good job, Jeff. I appreciate that, Jeff. I need that come March, man. Yeah, well, I'm here for it. Uh, yeah. So BK, I'll probably see you at the dish later. It's where I'm planning on spending most of my spring and early summer. So very good. Yeah. Thanks for uh, man. I love it. Thanks for filling in today, and uh, Chip and Zay, y'all have a great show. In honor of opening day, BK, I'm going to find your uh, your batting practice reps against David Pierce. Ah, shit. Put that out no. for Jen Pop. No, you don't, you don't have to do that. That's all Ooh. right. I'll just text it to Chip and Zay and let them uh, see oh, yeah. if they want to use it as show material. We'll bootleg uh, that thing up there. All right. All right, Chip, Zay, have a good show. See you guys. All right, man. Good job. Cool. Appreciate y'all. Yeah. See you. Appreciate y'all.